How many of you glad to be in God's house? Amen. Amen. Always glad to be in God's house. I think a lot of times, sometimes we come to God's house and sometimes it's we're jumping up and down, shouting. Sometimes we're just so full of ourselves we can't even stand or trail. Amen. Sometimes we come and it's just a little dry, a little dusty, a little hard to get going. Sometimes it's just a little different. Amen. But I'm glad God's still God. No matter what. That he's still the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Despite the feelings and the emotions, despite the moods that we have, God's still God. And God don't change. And no matter how I feel on the outside, it's still good to be saved on the inside. Amen. And the mood that I'm in don't change what's on the inside of me. Aren't you glad of that this morning? Amen. You men ought to say amen. Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter number 16. This thought has been on our heart for several days, and uh, the Lord's uh, put this thought on our heart for this morning. just want to try to mind him. I just want to be mindful of his spirit this morning. I don't want to do anything out of the will of God or out of the way. I don't want to do anything that would hinder the spirit of God. We just want to do what thus saith the Lord. And I hope and I pray that you came with that same mindset. Stand with me when you find your place. Matthew chapter number 16 in the word of God. Very familiar place in the Word of God, but many times we oftentimes overlook this scripture. We read it and we go on down and we, we get the last two verses of what I'm going to read, but we, we neglect a couple of these verses that are very important in the Word of God, a very important subject for you and I in this day and in this hour. Matthew chapter number 16 and verse number 13. The Bible says, When Jesus came on the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Son, say that thou art John the Baptist, son of Elias, and others Jeremiah, who are one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barajona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you this morning. Allow us to be here. God, we thank you for this privilege. God, Lord, we know the Scripture says in the book of Psalms that we'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. And Lord, this morning I come. Father, just thankful, God, to be here. Lord, I'm thankful I ain't in the hospital. Thankful not in the nursing home. I'm thankful this morning, God, that we can be in God's house. Worship the true and the living God. I'm thankful this morning I'm not worshiping, Lord, something, God, that's a figment of our imagination, something that's made up. Lord, I'm thankful this morning we are worshiping the true and the living God. And Father, this morning we come before your holy presence. I realize, God, that without you, God, there's no need in me speaking one word. I realize, God, without your touch and your anointing, I realize, God, that we might as well fold up and go to the house. But, God, I pray right now for just a few minutes. I realize, God, there's folks at stake, God, folks in need. And, Father, I pray for your anointing, your touch, God, that we might be able, Lord, to speak, Father, that which you have us to speak this morning. God, I pray you'd remove every hindrance. God, I pray you'd bind every demon of hell, God, that would come against this place. Father, I pray you'd direct every heart and every mind to the scripture and to the word of God and what thus saith the Holy Spirit. I pray right now God you give us a touch from the top of our head to the sole of our feet. In Jesus name yes. we ask. Yes. Amen and yes. amen. You may be seated. Matthew chapter number 
16, verse number 13. I believe I got the right chapter this time, didn't I? Amen. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13. The Bible says, When Jesus came on the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? As we began to look into the Word of God this morning, we began to find that Jesus and his disciples, they have been through many things already in their journey, and in Jesus' ministry, his disciples have already seen many things out of this man Jesus, and they came to this place. Jesus directed them to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, and we find that that place was a very special place in the Word of God, a very special place geographically in the Word of God. Now Jesus has left Jewish country. He's came to a place that is predominantly Gentile. He come to a place, uh, my friend, in the region there in the Middle East, uh, at this place of Caesarea Philippi. He came to this place where it was very well known that they worshipped a pagan God, that they did not worship the God of heaven. They were Gentiles, ungodly, amen, didn't care anything about the Jews, didn't care anything about their religion. And so Jesus brings his disciples to this place and it's a very special place in that it's a hidden place. Uh, it's a place that has been uh, hid in the midst of the geographic of that area. Uh, my friend, it's hid in three valleys uh, and, and it's a place that is not very well visible, uh, but it's a very special place. You say, preacher, what are you getting at there? I said all that to say this. There are times in our lives that God brings us to a very special place uh, that nobody else is seeing what's going on. Uh, it may be a place that your church don't know anything about. Uh, it may be a, a place that your husband or your wife or your children, they just simply don't know anything about. Uh, sometimes the most special places that we ever get in with God is just between you and Him. So Jesus brings his disciples to this place and he begins to ask them a question. He said, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they immediately begin to answer. And the Bible says, my friend, that they answered, speaking that every single one of them the, as a whole, the group began to answer. And they began to say, thou, some say that thou art John the Baptist and some Elias and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, no doubt they had heard there had been a multitude of people that had followed Jesus many times times and many days uh, there had been a multitude uh, that had followed him to see who he was and what he was doing. Uh, they had followed him for the miracles that he had done uh, and the things that they had heard about him. Uh, and my friend, no doubt his disciples as they were in the midst of that multitude at many times uh, uh, they began to hear many things uh, that were said about this man Jesus. Uh, now they, most of the multitude had never had an experience like the disciples have had uh, uh, but my friend, the multitude had seen Jesus do many great uh, and mighty miracles and they had heard these things. It was Herod that said that Jesus was John the Baptist that had been raised from the dead. My friend, others said that he was Elijah. My friend, because of the last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi made a prophecy that Elijah would come back. They thought that Jesus was Elijah, part of that prophecy that he had come back in that last day. My friend, then others said that he was Jeremiah the prophet. My friend, there was a rumor that he went around in Jerusalem at that time and in the nation of Israel, uh, my friend, that Jeremiah was going to come back and that he had hid uh, uh, some of the things of God in the cave uh, over there in that land and that he was going to come back uh, and he was going to help restore Israel. Uh, so they said that Jesus was Jeremiah and they even said that maybe he was even one of the other prophets. Uh, and my friend, now for you and I this morning, uh, if somebody said Austin prayed he's John the Baptist, uh, that'd be a compliment. 
If somebody said that I was Elijah or somebody said I was Jeremiah or even one of the other prophets, Isaiah, uh, my friend, or one of those other great men of God that we read about through the Old Testament, uh, for you and I to be likened unto these men, uh, it would be a great compliment uh, because we see men there uh, that have been listed that was of the highest degree that found favor with God that had faith in God. Uh, we find men there, uh, uh, my friend, that God used in great and in mighty ways uh, compared to our lives. Uh, friend, they were used in mighty and magnificent ways. Uh, uh, but my friend, to compare the Son of God uh, unto Elijah or unto Jeremiah or even unto John the Baptist, uh, uh, my friend, John the Baptist made the statement himself uh, that he was not even worthy uh, to latch the shoe latchet of the one that would come after him. Uh, speaking of Jesus, uh, friend, you and I are not even... Uh, Jesus is far greater uh, and far, my friend, uh, more powerful. Uh, and who he is uh, is far bigger than what we are. Uh, he is infinitely uh, bigger than we can ever imagine to be. Uh, so to compare Jesus uh, to any one of these men uh, is almost stepping on the fringes of blasphemy. Amen? For you and I, it would be a compliment. But when Jesus asked the question, whom do men say that I am? And this was the response that was given. This is what the crowd saying. This is not necessarily what we think. Them disciples, they said, this is what everybody else is saying that you are. Amen. Jesus didn't let that bother him, though. I never read in the Word of God where he really cared what people thought. Amen? And I say that respectfully. Because I believe to a certain degree we should care about men and women alike. We should care about children and the elderly. We should care about each other. Amen. And I believe that we should care what other people think to a degree and in the right way. But when we know that we're right with God, amen, it don't matter what everybody else thinks. It matters what God thinks. And it matters what Jesus thinks. And I never read where when Jesus was doing the work of the Father, when he was doing it out of love and compassion and out of mercy, I never read where it bothered him when they came against him. I never read where it troubled him when somebody was talking behind his back. I, I never read where it bothered him when they was plotting to kill him. I, honey, he just went on about his father's business, I, doing the work that he came to this earth to do. I, and it did not bother him, not one minute or one iota. Now, I'll be honest with you this morning. I'm human and you are too. I, and if I'd found out yesterday that somebody in this church was talking about me in a bad way, I, it would probably hinder me this morning. Because I'm human. And it would you too. If somebody said yesterday and Brother Danny found out about that he's the worst choir leader old Savannah's ever seen. I'm picking on Brother Danny. Because I believe I can but if he heard somebody say that, no doubt it would hinder him from climbing up there this morning. If somebody said, Austin Fred, he's the worst preacher we've ever had, it would hinder my preaching this morning because I'm human. But I never read in the Word of God when somebody came against our Lord and Savior that what everybody else thought hindered what he done. He continued on pressing on for the glory of God, pressing on for the cause of the cross. He knew that he had a job to do and that there was thousands of millions of people that would come down through the ages of time that their life and their eternal life, their soul, friend, was hinging upon the work that he was doing. And might I say to you this morning, the work that we are doing this morning as Christians, as those that are saved by the grace of God, there is people that are hinging upon our life and hinging upon the work that we are doing. 
him. Jesus finished the work of the cross, but it's up to us to take up our cross and bear it after him and share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is up to us this morning, whether it's cold, whether it's hot, whether it's raining, or whether it's sunshining, to shout glory, hallelujah, and to proclaim the name of Jesus and to point souls unto him. That's what God has called us to do. Friend, there are times in our life that God gets us into those places that are set aside and separated that maybe nobody else sees. Brings us to a special place in our life that we might see these great truths. And you read there that Jesus went on. He said, whom do men say that I am? And he goes on and they explain those things. Friend, in this day, in this hour, friend, everybody has got an idea about who Jesus is uh, or about what Jesus is. Uh, everybody has got some kind of theology. Uh, everybody knows about this man, Jesus. Uh, friend, if you were to ask the common folk, uh, uh, friend, we heard a response not too long ago that there was a man that did not know about Jesus. Uh, but I will say that that's uncommon in this day and in this hour. Uh, the majority of the people that are in this land uh, that speak the English language, friend, uh, in some form, or fashion or another, they know the name of Jesus. I didn't say they knew Jesus. I said they know the name of Jesus. They have heard this name down through their life from the time they may have been small to the time they were bigger. They have heard about this man, Jesus. Even the Muslims believe in Jesus. Every religion believes in Jesus. There's not one religion that I can think of, a friend that I can find, my friend that does not believe in Jesus. Friend, they all believe in Jesus uh, as a man and as that name, uh, but they don't believe in him as we do. Amen? The Muslims, even in their Quran, over there in one of their books, they mention Jesus. They mention the name of Jesus, but they believe that he was created of God, not begotten of God. They believe that God created him. They don't believe he was the son of God. They believe that he was just as you and I are. You and I were created to God, wasn't we, Brother Larry? Amen. But Jesus was begotten of God, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. He was the Son of God. You see, the Muslims, they believe in this man, Jesus. And if you were to begin to talk to one of them about Jesus, no doubt they would agree with you that he was a good man, that he was a prophet, and that he done many great things. But they don't believe in him as the Son of God. If you were to talk to a Christian scientist. That's very popular in this day and hour. We don't hear that word much, but they're very popular. Many of the movie stars that you watch on television, many of the, the people that we listen to on the, on the music channel, they're Christian scientists. And they believe in a man called Jesus, but it's not the Jesus I believe in. You say, preach what do they believe? They believe in a Jesus that was not God. They believe in Jesus that was just simply a man. They believe in the Jesus that goes contrary to the Word of God. If you look at the Jehovah's Witness, and no doubt every one of us, they've knocked on your door at one time or another, and if you begin to talk to them about Jesus, they're going to agree with you. They'll agree with you. We believe in Jesus. But, Brother Randy, they don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They believe that he was just somebody that was created. They believe he was a good prophet. Even the New Age movement that we see in this area here in Jackson County, we see the New Age movement has overtaken our area. We find that even those folks believe in Jesus. And they believe that his life was a very unusual life and that his life was a life that would be very good to pattern your life after. But they don't believe he's the 
Son of God. And then the Catholics, they believe in Jesus. But they do not believe that Jesus was enough to provide salvation without works alone. They believe that when a person dies, if they die in faith, that they go to a place called purgatory until they are bought out of that place and then they can go to heaven. They don't believe in the same Jesus that we believe in. You see where I'm going? Some of you looking at me like a cat looking at a new jet. But Jesus is very distinct in the word of God as to who he is. And in this day and in this hour in the United States of America, that term of Jesus is thrown around very loosely. And if you will notice, there's something, there's a thing going around right now, the Masonic Lodge, they do not use the word Jesus. Amen. I'm going to preach on it. Just say amen. They don't use the word Jesus. They believe in the Almighty. They believe in a Creator. They believe in a higher power. But you will never hear them mention the name of Jesus. And I said all that because in our government and in our school system, friend, it's okay to pray. You can pray, but you can't pray in the name of Jesus. Did anybody watch the inaugural address four years ago when they sworn in our president and they gave that inaugural address and they, have, they always have somebody come and pray? That, that man did not pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. When they pray at that position, they just pray a general prayer. You know what that's doing? That's becoming as Paul said, a sounding brass and a tingling sense. That's beating the air. It's getting as high as that ceiling goes and as far as that door goes. And that's as far as it goes. Because the Bible says there's no other name given among men whereby that we must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So Jesus goes on here and he asks these men, whom do men say that I am? It really didn't matter what men said that he was, but it mattered that those disciples began to take a look and they began to realize that he, this man Jesus, was so much more than Elijah or John the Baptist or Jeremiah or even any other prophet. But this man Jesus was something much greater and he begins to look at Peter and he says whom do ye say that I am and this question that the Lord begins to ask is a question of utmost importance in our lives friend as Jesus looked at Peter and he began to ask him whom do ye say that I am he didn't say whom do y'all he didn't make it a general statement to the whole crowd but he individually personally looked at Peter and he said whom do ye say that I am now any one of those disciples could have answered that question in that ye, a friend, in that he was speaking individually and personally to each and every one. Friend, this morning when God speaks, God speaks sometimes as a general assembly, as the church of the living God, but most of the time God speaks to us as individuals. When God calls you to salvation, God speaks to you as an individual. God don't tell the preacher. God don't tell the Sunday school teacher. God don't tell the choir leader. God speaks to you as an individual. God may give them the song to sing, the lesson to teach, or the message to preach, but God speaks to you as an individual. God says, whom do ye say that I am? Now my friend this morning, that question is a question that does not come without consequences. That question is a question when it is asked. It's a question that must be answered. It's a question that you can't get away with. My friend, just ignoring it. There are times when we all do this. Somebody asks us a question 
question and we really don't want to give them an answer that needs to be given and so we'll just ignore the question. But I want to say this morning when the Lord speaks to your heart and says whom do ye say that I the son of man am. Friend, it is a question that you cannot ignore. It's a question that you cannot get by without answering. It is a question that must be answered because it is a question of consequence. It'll either be a consequence of judgment if you deny and you just go along with the crowd and say, well, Jesus is good and that's all well and fine, but I don't believe that he's the Son of God. I don't believe that he was God manifested in the flesh. I don't believe that he was virgin born. I don't believe he died on the cross for my sins. I don't believe that he got up on the third day. Friend, you are reaping the judgment of God in your life. And friend, you will find that one day every knee shall bow. As the book of Romans 14 says, that every knee shall bow and confess to God. Now, the Bible goes on in the book of Philippians to tell us exactly what we'll be confessing to God. We'll be confessing to God that Jesus Christ is Lord. Friend, one day, whether you like it or not, you're going to bow down on your knees and you're going to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as the Son of God. Every Catholic, every Jehovah's Witness, every other religion, honey, they're going to bow one day and they're going to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and even Satan himself the one that's the master of all this junk that we see. Honey, one day he himself is going to bow down before the throne of God and he will confess that he was nothing but that Jesus is Lord. This morning I hope and I pray that if the Holy Ghost of God has came to where you are and said, whom do ye say that I am? I hope that you do not answer that question in the consequence of judgment. There will be many that stand one day before the great white throne of God. And they'll stand there that day and they'll bow and they'll confess the Lord Jesus Christ. But honey, it will be all but too late for them. That confession will do absolutely no good. They will be bound hand and foot as they're confessing the Lord Jesus Christ and casting the lake of fire and brimstone. The Bible says for all of eternity there will be absolutely no escape. There will be absolutely no way out. There will be no bargaining. There will be no buying. There will be no pleading. There will be no crying your way out. Honey, this morning if you are here and God's dealing with your heart, I want you to know there is a consequence. But there's also the consequence, not only a judgment, but there's the consequence of joy. You see, if you, Jesus says, whom do you say that I am? And you do like Peter does and say, thou art Christ, son of the living God. There's the consequence of joy. That's a pretty good name. That's a whole lot better than judgment. I'd a whole lot rather have joy than I had to have judgment, wouldn't you? When Peter said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God, I can imagine as the Holy Ghost began to fill his soul. And my friend, from the inside out, there was a joy that flooded inside of him in knowing that he had confessed the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, that's the title of the message. Confession of Christ. My friend, this morning, it is of utmost importance that you and I, young and old, men and women alike, friend, rich and poor, it is of utmost importance this morning that we confess the Lord Lord Jesus Christ. 
We're afraid to use that word confession because it's been twisted around in other religions. That confession is something that you go to and you get in a little closet and you tell somebody all about your sins. Honey, that's unbiblical. If they've ever been anything unbiblical, God ain't in 40 miles of that. Honey, the only confession you need to do is between you and God. And if you feel that, do it between the whole church. That's okay. But if you feel at peace with you and God, you don't have to tell me nothing about what's going on in your life. But you must tell God and my friend confession of Christ whom do men say that I am whom do ye say that I am Peter said he said thou art the Christ every time you see that little word the in your Bible in that context you ought to underline that because it says thou art the Christ that's the same little word that Elijah used over there on Mount Carmel when he said the God of heaven, one God, one Christ, one way, not many different paths leading to one God, one path, one way. You say, are you one of them narrow-minded preachers? I guess so. I believe there's one way, and I believe that ain't the way of old Savannah Baptist Church or any other church in this county or any other church in this great United States, but I believe, I, it's, it ain't, I'm going to go ahead and preach this morning. It ain't a way of being a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent or a Libertarian. It's not a way of being white or black or rich or poor. It's not a way of working your way up to it. But it's an old knee right way when you get sorry for your sins under Holy Ghost conviction and you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as the person of salvation for the payment of your sin. Friend, I'm thankful this morning that He is the Christ. He's not one another. He's not one of the gods, but he is the God and he is the Christ and that makes him the way of salvation that makes it one way thou art the Christ over there when Mary was pregnant with this baby Jesus she was a virgin and the Holy Ghost had overshadowed her and she had conceived in her womb and the, and the angel came and said his name shall be called Jesus Savior Savior and he shall save his people from their sins. And the Bible goes on, the angel told them that he shall be called great and shall be the son of the highest and he shall inherit the throne of his father David. Friend, this man Jesus is so much more. He is the Christ. He is the Savior of this world. He's the light in our darkness. He is, friend, right for what's wrong. He is, my friend, everything to our nothing. He is, friend, the sacrifice when nothing else would satisfy. He is the propitiation of our sins. And friend, he is satisfying the wrath of an almighty God. This man, Jesus, is the Christ son of the living God. That's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And I'm going to go on record and say that that God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, the God, he's a God that has a son. My friend, Allah ain't got a son. Allah had a prophet, but Allah didn't have a 
a son. But the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, honey, he's got a son because the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. Friend, he was a virgin-born son, which made him a perfect son, a sinless son. That made him a son that was worthy to go to the cross of Calvary and become a sacrificial lamb and take my place, die in my stead, take my sins, and wash them in the blood of Christ. My friend, that they might be gone, never to be remembered again. That God might look upon my life and upon your life and say, what sins are you talking about? I don't see them anymore. Your sins and iniquities I have forgotten about. He's a perfect son. Whom do men say that I am? It don't matter what your family says. don't matter what the world says. But it matters when that question comes to you. Whom do you say that I am? It doesn't matter what religion says. Friend, we would do good. We would do good if we could get away from so much emphasis on religion. Amen. I believe that. I ain't saying that because I want to be ecumenical or whatever these big words they've got for, amen, a worldwide church. I don't want to be part of that. Amen. Because it's not going to happen. Amen. But I want to be biblical. Amen. Biblical. Lining up according to God's word. Whether it hurts or whether it feels good. You know what, little John over there, he read, or John, he read over there a book. He seen a book in the Bible. The angel came and told him to eat of that book. It was sweet in his mouth, but when it got down into his belly, it became bitter. Sometimes when God gives you something, boy, it's awful sweet. But when it begins to be applied to your life, friend, the result becomes a little bit bitter. My friend, because it's cleaning you up, it's getting you ready, it's preparing you, it's growing you. Sometimes as Christians we go through growing pains, and it ain't always easy. Sometimes to get our lives lined up according to God's Word, my friend, it can be a painful process. But my friend, I'm going to say this morning, I'd rather be on God's side. I'd rather be lined up according to God's word and I had to live my life feeling good have my friend and slip off into the depths of the devil's hell or lead somebody else into that awful place I'd rather be lined up according to God's word and might I just go ahead and say it's a good way it's a good way so I want to ask you this morning whom do you say that I am not me but you as the Holy Ghost of God, no doubt. As you look down in there in your Bible, I want you to read that. Look down and read it. Everybody look down at your Bible. And I want you personally to ask yourself this question that the Word of God presents us. Verse number 15, he saith unto them, But whom say you, that's you this morning, that I am? Who is Jesus to you? Is he a religious figure? he a historical person is he just somebody that you've heard about down through time me and brother Kevin we talk a lot about things things in the Bible and he's telling me that he knows a lot of these stories but they was like a cartoon he remembers them from Bible school remembers them from his childhood but it's like a cartoon can I say that very easily this morning Jesus can be a cartoon figure in your life. 
instead of being the purpose and the person of your salvation. And your Bible gives you a plan of salvation, but I hope that you understand this morning that salvation is bigger than a plan. Salvation is in a person. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. A confession of Christ. Whom do you say that he is? Romans 10 and 9, that very familiar verse of Scripture. I'm going to read that to you and I'm going to close. Very familiar passage in the Word of God. Romans 10 and 9, the Bible says that if thou shalt confess, confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you confess, you accept. You accept the work. You accept the fulfilled prophecy of the Old Testament of the coming of Christ. You accept that perfect life. And you accept the finished work of Jesus dying on an old rugged cross as a promised Messiah, as a perfect Savior, and a perfect sacrifice. You accept the finished work of him dying for your sins. And on that third and glorious day, the God of heaven raising him by that same power that he's going to raise us up by one day. And you acknowledge him. That's confession. Accepting the work that he done and acknowledging him as the living son of the living God. Friend, whom do you say that this man Jesus is? Would you come? Everybody's standing all over the building. I feel in my heart God's been speaking to somebody in this day and in this hour that we live. It seems like Satan is working overtime. Seems like it's almost like the fires that we see around us. Can't get a hold of them. Can't get to one end quick enough. By the time you get there, it's out on the other end. That's the way it is in this day and hour that we live. But friend, despite the fact that Satan's working overtime, God's still speaking to the hearts of men and women alike. God's still asking that same question. Whom do you say that I am? Jesus is still pleading, still asking for you to confess him. Confession is not walking into a little room telling somebody what you've done. Confession of Christ is doing just like Peter done. Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. Confessing that he died for your sins. Confessing that he got up on the third day. You can't confess something that you don't believe. God's speaking to your heart right now. Saying, whom do ye say that I? Whom do ye? Whatever head's bowed and every eye closed, would you answer that question right now? If you looked in your Bible and you read it, the Lord's asking you that question right here this morning.
Would you answer it? Friend, if you've never accepted him and you've never confessed him, you've never been saved, would you slip out of your pew this morning? Would you come down an old-fashioned altar? Would you give Jesus your heart and your life? Would you accept him as the person of your salvation? We see folks that, and I've been one of them myself, make two or three trips to altar, make two or three professions of faith. Many times that comes because we put our faith in a plan. We forget about the person. The plan leads you to the person. I'm not telling you the plan is bad. But I'm saying if you put more faith in the plan than you have in the person, you're still lost and undone in your sin. The plan leads you to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, if somebody would ask you how to get saved and they wanted you to answer it in one word, you could just very simply say, Jesus. Jesus. You may be here this morning, and there may be so many things running through your mind, so much confusion. You've heard so many things in your life, and God's dealing with your heart, but Satan's working in your mind, and you're trying your best to figure out what you need to do. I'm just going to answer in one simple word. Jesus. 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 Would you trust him this morning? Would you come to him this morning? While Miss Martha sings, God's speaking to your heart. Would you come to him? Would you come to him? If the ship of your life is tossing on the sea of strife, you need someone. If you feel so all alone and your house is not a home, you need someone. If it seems life is unfair and there's no one left to share all those lonely days and nights when things all turn out. Someone to be there, you need someone. I give you Jesus, in the peace of Christ's understanding. I give you Jesus, he's the perfect love. 
Historical figure. Is it that night that you heard about his son? 